Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and we've got another great episode lined up for today. Today's guest is the Senior Director of Learning and Development at TCC and Wireless Zone, a Verizon authorized retailer. Please welcome to the show, Molly Fields. Hello, Molly. Hello. How are you today? I'm awesome, and I'm really excited for this conversation. You are a very passionate and excited person, and I can't wait you wait for you to share your wisdom with our audience. So I want to get started and ask you the same question we always start off with, which is, what do you see as the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today? You love to start with the big question. I, I've noticed I that. Yeah, it's the big one right out the gate. Um, for me, from my perspective, what I've seen is balance. You know, the world has been in a frenzy the past few years, and we've all felt it. You know, everyone has. We have anxieties, insecurities, frustrations, fears, and a myriad of other difficult kind of like emotional responses um, that we all need to process. And so we've all kind of lost balance along the way. Our priorities are shifting as individuals and as a global society, how we interact with each other, how we keep each other safe. Um, everything is kind of up in the air right now. And it has been for a while. So finding balance so that you can be intentional with your energy is the biggest challenge we've seen in our company as the true underlying cause for most of the communication issues and execution issues that we have faced over the past two to three years. So I hope you have this single silver bullet that solves all of those challenges. And I'd like you to tell it to us right now, please. Oh, stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, it may be here. I've saved it for last. <laughs> no, those, those are some pretty, um, not to make light of those topics at all, because there's some pretty, you know, strong personal emotions as you just described that. And, and we've, we've heard that a lot. We've all witnessed it firsthand. It's really interesting to have a conversation that's kind of in a business context and yet be talking about such strong personal emotions. Connect the dots for me. Why is it that you and, and the TCC team are so focused on the strong personal elements of, of the workforce as you just described it? Well, that's what, that's what our culture, that's what we've built in our culture. We always put our people first and that has been transformative for our business. This has been an intentional culture shift for us well before um, any of the other global happenings mm -hmm. have been going on. So we've been working on our culture in, in, like intentionally and diligently for the past five to seven years. Um, our current owner, you know, he wrote a book on it, you know, creating a culture of good. Um, it's about putting people first, really supporting um, emotionally intelligent leaders, understanding the true cause so that we're, we're curing causes and not symptoms. Um, so when you get that frustration of why aren't they doing this, right? Why isn't this, this is good for you. Why aren't you doing this? Um, the reason is never systematic, right? The reason is always emotional. 
we have found. And so the emotional support is where a direct leader can have the most impact. I mean, change is hard. And it's common in business to think that emotions won't have an impact. That old adage of leave it at the door was never possible. And it certainly isn't today. Um, and especially in the climate of today, emotional intelligence of your direct frontline leadership is business critical to change management. And when we, our executive team and our department heads, we realized that, uh, that's when we started making severe cultural shifts um, to serve the people and their needs, feelings first. Um, so the leaders have to help people process change, understand the why, find the space to make their change in the day, help them navigate the frustration that comes with newness. Every newness is frustrating, you know? Uh, so, but it ends up being largely beneficial. Uh, you know, it's people now, especially today, we were lucky to have that culture already established and strong before this happened. But I'm seeing, and you know, in my network, and I'm talking to other professionals that maybe didn't have such a strong EDI network, um, you know, maybe weren't intentional about inclusion and diversity before, maybe that weren't intentional about employee resources before, needing to pivot quickly. We were lucky that we were already establishing that foundation beforehand, but even with that pre-established thought process, we struggled. If you think of, uh, of emotions, you know, you start the day off at one, right? You wake up, everything's good, right? And you don't want to get to 10, that, that, that super emotion. Now you think of it as people are waking up at level five. They have a lot of personal stuff that's going on. And so it's a shorter jump to 10. Are your leaders ready to handle that? you know, that can create a lot of churn and a lot of miscommunication and a lot of, you know, you don't hear when you're angry. You don't read and to comprehend when you're distracted or confused. You don't remember things well, and it doesn't transition into your long-term memory if you're under duress or too much stress. So you have to, though you will never be the therapist, you know, you're the, the leader, you do have to lead your people emotionally first as people, not as performers. There are, I kept thinking that the next thing you said was going to be the quote of the episode. And then you said something else. Um, I, I think I'm still going to go back to one of my favorite things that you just said, which is that emotional IQ of frontline leadership is critical for change management. And that's very near and dear to me. I've spoken with several people today in, in the business context, uh, having that exact conversation that I think perhaps for a long time, we've put too little uh, emphasis or paid too little attention to the significant role that frontline leadership plays in the success of the overall organization. Many times they're, you know, by definition, some of the least experienced leaders in the organization because they're likely new to role but they are out on the front lines and we need them to, as you described, have a very high emotional you know, IQ to be able to uh, you know, lead effectively and, and help their frontline teams manage through all the challenges, both personal and, and work-related that you're talking about. And without that, it leaves a very big void inside most organizations that we've seen. It, it truly does. And we think our middle management layer and our frontline uh, we frequently refer to them as our busiest layer. 
our most mm -hmm. important layer. That is where execution happens. That's where failures happen. Um, that is your strongest and simultaneously your weakest link Yeah. at the same time. I mean, cause you, they're the ones that are going to make it happen or they're the ones that are going to drop the ball. And how mm -hmm. are you supporting them? That's going to be indicative of the overall success. So that middle management layer, not the top, you guys start in the middle and that's where you're going to really make that change stick. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. There are a lot of things for us to, to get back to, but I want to introduce you more completely to our audience and have you share a little bit about your background and how you ended up in the role that you have today at TCC. Sure. Um, oh, where do I begin? I was born. No, you don't need to go all the way back there. You may, um, if you'd like. <laughs> we'll have a long call. Uh, so I, when I started trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life, right? I wanted to teach. I wanted to, I found the most um, fulfillment and the most joy in my life when I was helping someone else find success. I found the most um, joy from other people just winning and then being like, I helped do that big thing. So I went into teaching. I majored in education at Ball State University, chirp, chirp, go cards. Um, and when I went for a specialized degree, reading specialization, majored in, and did great uh, practicums. I had an amazing education experience at Ball State, uh, really went into how people think. And then that got me really fascinated with thought process and, uh, and neurological pathways and how that works. Uh, when I graduated, I realized that I was not going to be able to make my ends meet on an educator's salary. Uh, so I had to explore other opportunities. I ended up working um, for a lot of educational businesses. So think of like after school tutoring, things like that. And that's what got me into business. I started to like business admin a little bit. It was weird. It never even occurred to me as a career pathway. So I had started to do some admin work um, for some things. And so I started to apply for other types of jobs. I ended up applying for a sales position and I got it at TCC. And that was 13 years ago. And I, was, I started making minimum wage plus commission. My parents were very upset. <laughs> they helped me get that degree that I wasn't using right then. Um, but uh, it ended up being the best decision I ever made. From there, I was able to just learn and grow as I went. I, I worked with the industry. I worked with a phenomenal company that was in a growth mindset at the time. Um, and TCC was open to providing experiences, providing exposures and, and opportunities to grow and learn as the company grew. And so I did in the 13 years I've been there, I've had nine different positions as we've been growing, um, mainly all focused through sales, then operations, and now I'm in learning and development. So my mother is happy again. I'm using my degree by title. Uh, so, Perfect. but yeah, so that's kind of how I landed here. Start at the bottom, work your way up. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, in that organization, I imagine sales is a great way to get into because it is, you know, TCC, as I understand it, is, is really a sales organization, right? That's what you're doing. You are 
primarily a sales organization for Absolutely. your carrier partner. Absolutely. We only sell. We are a sales company. Every position in our company, we consider a sales position. Even the position I'm in right now, I'm selling resources to our front line. Yeah. And when we use that lens, is that we're all selling our products and services. It's just identifying your customer that's helped us to actually make streamline our communication and make it smoother because you sell differently than you just talk. Yeah. Then you assign, you know, yeah. it's helped no, a that lot. That makes sense. That makes sense. So I want to get back into some of the things you, you talked about when we were exploring the challenges facing the deskless workforce. And you were talking about some real, I think, change management topics versus just L&D topics, but I don't think that there's a clear line of delineation between these things, right? It, it all kind of gets molded together. But you said some things like, this is good for you. Why aren't you doing this, right? Like you, there was some frustration about why perhaps the workforce was resistant to change. Can you talk through that a little bit more? Why do you think you were seeing that resistance? Where do you think the communications are breaking down? Perhaps if that's what's causing it, talk us through that a little bit. Oh, it's the same reason why all of us want to diet and we don't, right? Um, you know what to do. You know what's good. Uh, you know the right ways to be, but knowing and doing are two different things. You know, our frontline workers, when we ask for feedback of what's hard, you know, what's difficult about this change, what's, what's stopping you, what are your roadblocks, they identify prioritization most often. Um, they feel like they get a lot of information and they don't, they, they struggle to decide on what to take action on, what would be the most impactful action and what, what is actually the most urgent, um, being able to identify and prioritize their actions from the information is where they identify their issues. Um, the back office, when we look at it, we've identified the frenzied emotional nature as a root cause of making their inability to prioritize, right? Um, when you're in that emotional turmoil, you struggle to prioritize and separate your personal and professional and understand what's urgent and what's nice to have and what's need to have. Everything feels like a number one priority issue right now when stress is on. Um, so like we had, we've had horrible tech adoption on things they've requested, right? So we've had our frontline request, for example, a communication platform where everything is in one spot. I just have to go to one spot and then everything is there. And we're like, that makes sense. Let's do it. You know, we launched a new communication platform all on one spot, leveraging SharePoint um, technology. And this platform holds all resources, all links that accomplish anything in the frontline's job description. We have a page for every internal department that has all their information organized. They have access to the training resources 24 7, 365. We thought we were giving them this is it, this is the silver bullet. Bang, bang. We're like all in one spot, solved all the communication problems, launched it. Nobody went there. Um, you know, we're like, what? You know, so we struggled with that. And when we debriefed, right, we did the, the postmortem, not to sound <laughs> bad Morbid. about that, but yep. postmortem yep. the launch and said, what went wrong? Why did when we launch it, only 30% of people clicked on it? Um, wow. That's bad. That's a bad adoption. And we thought that they were going to just 
love it. We thought we we're going to have to keep them away from it. It's not ready yet, right? Opposite. Um, we learned <laughs> that even things that people need and want and eventually even love can still be hard to adopt. And we launched that system without much um, change management strategy because we thought they would love it and it wouldn't be hard to get them to adopt it. We learned quickly, never sacrifice change management strategies because you think they'll like it. Um, the next launch of a system was our payroll, HR, and learning management systems. And we corrected. So we course corrected from the last time where we thought, they'll love this. Because <laughs> this time we thought, they'll love this. This was the last system we needed to take our company fully digital. So no more paperwork. You're not emailing a PDF anywhere for any reason. Everything is systematic. Everything's fully digital. No print, sign, return, or anything like that. So we thought they're going to love it, but we treated it as if they wouldn't. We treated it as if it was a bad change. This is a hard change. Like you're telling them their pay changed or something like this is a bad news. And what we did is we sold it. We literally made commercials. Um, we tried to make them funny and viral. We built a very large runway and ramp. Um, we did teaser commercials talking about you know, new system functionalities. We did teaser trainings where they could actually see the system before it was real. Um, we did TikTok trends, short hit videos. Um, we tried to go viral internally. We wanted them to be like, oh my gosh, did you see that? You got to watch this video. If it's funny, they like to share it. Uh, we try to get our executives involved. Uh, so when they have a video of the chief operating officer wearing a fake mustache and doing a TikTok dance, they're going to share it. And when they share that, um, it starts to get people talking. And then you got that tribal knowledge and people starting to, to rumble about an upcoming system. You know, we taught, we were really focused on what the system is going to do for them. So we did those infomercials where it's like black and white and you're just like, I can't fill out a PTO form, you know, and the PDFs going everywhere and they're like, hmm, tired of using paper. Don't worry. Something's coming soon, you know, and then the it becomes colorful and you see the new system and it's like bing, you know we did that um we literally just marketed to our people the new system that was coming and when we launched that it perfect adoption we had great feedback people focus grouping people coming up with suggestions finding new features that the back office didn't even know um giving us ideas that helped us really shape the system in a totally different way. So the engagement was very different versus they requested it, we gave it to them, why didn't they use it? Versus they requested it, we sold it, they used it. Made a big difference. This is, you just gave our audience and me a, a clinic on the, the lessons learned and, and how to do this right. You said something which was just absolutely brilliant. Even though we knew that they we're going to love it. We treated it as if they wouldn't love it. And I love the way you, you thought about that. And I think that's such a, an elegant transition evolution for you coming from the previous project that you described where you thought they were going to love it and they still didn't embrace it. Such a neat way to think about it that we need to con continue to sell them and, um, you know, really persuade. There is a, 
you know, L&D and, and change management strategy is, is a bit of sales, right? Like you said before, it, it is a bit of the art of persuasion and to help them understand the benefits to them exactly as you were describing and to make it fun, I, I think was absolutely brilliant. Let, let me ask you this though. You, you had an experience here. I think some of our audience listening to this might say, well, that sounds great, Molly, but you guys obviously had uh, a big budget to make all that stuff happen in our organization. We don't have a budget for that. So we're just going to roll out the payroll and HR system, and we're just going to have to to do it the ordinary way, right? Talk me through your justification of that. Um, I would say you can do more with less than you think, right? So it, we don't, all of our stuff for TCC is created internally. I write it all. You know, I don't have to purchase this from other providers and things like that. It doesn't have to be that polished, perfect video. Um, a lot of the videos that I shared with our front line were from my cell phone. Just, just literally, I'm just recording the chief operating officer on my cell phone in the office. And then I send it out through Teams or I shoot it out through SharePoint, you know, email it to people. The technology, high quality technology is right now in your pocket. You have a better camera in your pocket than we had through the entire 90s, right? Like when we had our, our cam, I'm, I'm dating myself here. We got our no. camcorders and stuff. Like your phone can record 4K video if you're in a late, you know, it's insane. Device. It's insane. You're absolutely correct. You don't, you can make this stuff yourself, guys. And honestly, the personal touch helps that engagement when they can see the faces, the names on the email, you know, and they see that boss is boss is boss having fun with life, you know, and, and they see that that message come from the, the president of a company or the department head or, you know, somebody that's in your company famous, we call it TCC famous or zone famous, um, that, that goes a long way. Use your human capital in your current company to really sell the celebrity of it. You have celebrities, you may not know it, but there are names that most people know in your company. Those are your first stars. Get them on video, really delivering the message you want for the upcoming change. That will go farther and they will engage with it in a different way. So maybe this, this is maybe more of a personal question, but when you're not fun like Molly, how do you bring in some Molly fun into the organization? <laughs> the, the, I don't know if the audience cares about this question, but I am not a fun leader. And so as I hear you talk about that, I'm like, man, we've got a huge gap on the fun quotient. And uh, it, it sounds like you're doing a great job of, of bringing that into the organization and into the things that you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, it's something, one of my personal mottos and something that I always try to look at with my lens whenever I'm leading or mentoring or coaching or anything within the company is that this isn't a prison. Okay. You're not trapped here. You're not a hostage. If you don't like it, you can leave. Right. But if you do like it, you can stay. And there's no reason to not have fun while you're working. You can laugh. You can have a good time. You can connect with people. You can bring your true self to work. And, and have fun while doing it. So to bring that fun in the organization, first, give yourself permission. Um, a lot of the times we try to be professional and we try to be uh, the way we think business should be. And what you're doing there is, is imitating 
um, a stereotype. And when you're imitating a stereotype, you are blocking your own ability to produce and execute because you're not bringing your full power to your position. And so you're holding your best back. Now, I understand there's different work environments, there's different cultures where you do have to stay socially appropriate at all times. Yeah. But bring your true self. I think if you can stand in your truth, that's where you're going to find creativity. That's where you're going to find humor. I would say a lot of times in job interviews, when you're looking for talent, you, people are looking for skill talent versus what I call will talent. Skill versus will, right? We've all heard that. You can teach a skill. You can't teach a will, right? So I would challenge, are you asking behavior-based questions? Are you looking for the talent that can bring you creative, fun, energy, enthusiasm um, at, at all levels of leadership? It seems like people think the higher you get promoted, the more serious you have to be. Absolutely not. And, you know, like you can be an executive and be silly um, because silliness makes the days a little easier, right? Yeah. If you can laugh at yourself a little bit. So I would say when you're searching for talent, ask those behavior-based questions um, that go, you know, really, how do you like to have a good time at work? Not at, they always ask, what do you do for a good time outside of work, right? Well, what do you do for a good time at work? And most people can't even answer that question because they don't know what a good time at work looks like. But when say, what do you do to have a good time at work? I work on problem solving. I work on projects. I make videos. I write commercials. That gives me fun. I connect with people. I mentor others. Um, I participate in groups. Like we have core groups of affinity groups and things. And I participate and engage with our culture. Like those are the kinds of things that you can have fun with at work. Plan your fun. If you're a leader that's already in a company that doesn't have fun, plan it. And the way you do that, schedule it and say, hey, for two hours, we're going to have fun. I'm sinking here as I'm trying to think about all the things maybe we're doing wrong in our company. <laughs> But it's it's great to to hear you talk about that. And you're right. Typically, when the the thought of fun comes up in a work context, it's thought of as those things that you do before or after you come to your job. Yeah. And while I may not be the best catalyst for fun around my team, uh, I'm certainly supportive of having fun in our organization. And so uh, I think we have a lesson to learn there about how we can incorporate that more into what we do. But it also makes sense to ease the burden and stress associated with change in an organization to, you know, lighten the mood a little bit and to, you know, just make things generally more, um, you know, enjoyable. And, and maybe... <laughs> maybe this is a perfect indication that I don't know enough about fun because I'm going to turn this back to a kind of a business metrics thing, but <clears throat> I'm doubling down on my lack of fun here. <laughs> but but I'm curious, I mean, this is such an amazing contrast between the way that you tried to roll out their SharePoint solution and then the lessons learned and the way that you kind of recalibrated to roll out the payroll and HR systems, right? Two completely different experiences. Uh, was it largely the same workforce, same people? Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. so we're talking about the same groups of people, just different systems and, and a different way of going about it. So there can't be a better you know, case study for this. I'm curious how you would measure. So our, our friends in change management want to be able to measure the readiness for go live, right? They're, they're measuring the progress that we've made in terms of the field readiness for a change like this. Did you still put math to this 
exercise or did you just let it be a, a gut feel that, Hey, we've got this thing moving in the right direction. And we feel like this is the right, uh, you know, the right, right way to approach this. Um, the only metric we usually look at for adoption is, is engagement. So how many clicks did people enroll? Did people log in? Did they click? And so that's our first post-launch metric check. Um, did people find it? Did they click on it? Yeah. Um, and uh, the 30% launch um, versus the 75% launch shows us the big, big di difference in Delta there. Um, and we consider, you know, 75% login on the first day of a launch. You have to assume that 25% of people probably aren't working that day. That's their day off, right? Yep. So that to us is 100% action. Um, that's a successful launch. So that's from there, we have other metrics as ongoing engagement metrics. And, and we do, you know, touch points of, of how many complete this training, how many complete that training. Um, for previous launches, we've done some pre-assessments. Are you ready for this? And you got to do that. Are you ready for this? Do, 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 take this knowledge check, you know, and then they take that. And then anybody that didn't pass, you know, you get the trainers up to them and say, Hey, watch this video again. All right. We're ready. You take that to the go, no go meeting of, you know, like, Hey, here's what we've done. Here's how many people have watched the commercials. Here's how many people have completed the training. We believe we're ready to go. And then post launch, how many people interacted on launch day as expected or as intended. Um, was it successful or was it not? Would your culture allow for not going forward if the team wasn't ready? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We have stopped things before just because they didn't get it. They're not, they're not on the thread. It is better to just not launch than to launch when no one's looking. Yeah. That's perfectly said. Also, I, I agree. And we've seen that a lot. And that, that's actually why I asked the question, because I think it is a cultural thing in many of the organizations that we've been around, where there's a, a lot of talk in the early phases of a project that, hey, we're not going to go live unless this, that, and the other thing are ready. And the reality is there's oftentimes a, a very strong pressure to keep things on time, there may be downstream implications. And I know when I, I simplify things, when we're kind of talking about these examples from afar, I realize that everything's not as easy as just saying go or no go. I do recognize that. But I do think sometimes the culture doesn't permit that understanding to say, well, if the team's not ready, then why would we push this down their throat? Because ultimately we're just going to fail, right? right? And instead what, what we see happen is it gets pushed out anyway and then there's a, probably more time and more energy and certainly more money is spent trying to recover from a failed deployment rather than maybe pausing, giving yourself days or another week or two or whatever the case it may be to bring everybody up to that readiness. So I, I really commend you and, and the culture that your organization has for being able to take a deep breath and, and be honest with yourselves. Yeah. I do have to say, like, I think if everyone actually took a deep breath, they'd find in their business the same that we found. I don't think it's unique. I don't think it's special just to us. Um, but you know, the the wisdom of our decision makers, right? Our, our owner, our president, and executive team, when they did look at our business, because we used to run like that. We did. I when I've been with this company, we ran like that. Um, again, I've been here for 13 years, so I've seen this this company go from infancy to maturity, and we've lived that life of 
we've got to hit the deadline. We have this, you know, IT contractor to develop this software. We have to release it whether they're ready or not, or we're going to lose money, right? We're going to end up having to pay for out of scope work or, you know, things that add more to what we are agreed upon time, you know, and, and things like that. And what we found is when we force pushed anyway, it cost more money in the long run. It really does. And while I would love to say that we do our culture only because it's the right thing to do, um, that is our main motivation. And I do, I do believe that. But a fantastic side effect is that uh, you make more money. And I, it seems counterintuitive that you, know, you spend more, but you spend more to make more. When your people are supported the right way, they don't churn, tenure is valuable. You know, they, you get the tribal knowledge, you have more stability, you have longer term success, um, a more sustainable change. And when you do have a change launch, you know, so it's, it's worth it to wait that extra month and do some extra training and retraining and recommunicating to make sure they're ready to take advantage of it when it's launched, pay that extra for that month, as opposed to trying to retrain, recreate content, relaunch something. We've had to go through full relaunches before um, because adoption was so low back when we were working in a, in a business you know, plan. And now we work in a people plan. Um, our executive team every year will put together their, their pillars of our people, what our goals are, and then we all put our yearly plans together and then our quarterly plans, and then we, we go through. And so that way we all roll up, we're all, all the departments are running towards the same goals, and we just function smoothly with the people first. Because if the people are right, your performance will follow. Your lead measure is how well your people are feeling. How, how's their morale? How are they engaged? Your lag measure will be how well the sales hit. We don't, we of course obsessively look at sales numbers, right? But our true indicator of our upcoming success is our January um, uh, employee engagement survey. In January, we do that employee engagement survey. We see where everybody's at, where everybody's feeling, and that's our largest indicator of how difficult the year is going to be for the back office team <laughs> and where right? we need to start first. Yeah, that's really uh, interesting set of thoughts there. Um, and, and I love what you said that, you know, having a good culture, just because it's the right thing to do for the people, um, doesn't have to be mutually exclusive to getting good business outcomes. It doesn't. It, one will feed the other. If your people are taken care of, your people will take care of you. Um, sales happen when people are confident, when people are happy, when people are enthusiastic, passionate, excited to be there. That's when sales happen. Sales don't happen when people are like, what do you want? Do you want something? Yeah. Okay. You know, they, they, hi, thanks for coming. You know, when they're excited to work, that's when you make the most money. That's when you have the referrals, the people that are like, oh, you have to go to that store or, oh, I've got a guy here. Let me give you his name. Or you get those other referrals of, oh, you've got to work here. You need to come here. We're having a good time. You know, we try to focus on um, making sure that we're more than a job and we support our, our people's passion. Um, we have grant programs where our employees, whatever you're passionate about, you can put in for a grant and, and provide that to your local charity. 
Um, we have big good events where we give away. We have a backpack giveaway every year. This was our 10th anniversary of our backpack giveaway. We gave away our 1 millionth backpack this year. Um, we, this was our first year we had all um, 1,200 locations participate across the nation on the same day, doing good at the same time. Um, those are the kind of days that make the employees feel like this is, this is where they can bring themselves, their true self. And that does, it does impact how much money the company makes. We have during during the pandemic, during the past few years, where other businesses have struggled, we have broken records. And we've broken sales records that I've never seen us hit, hit numbers we've hit. Um, the great resignation didn't hurt us. We didn't feel it. Do we have staffing issues? Absolutely. We always do. Everyone does. But we did not have a mass exodus. Um, we it's the culture is the differentiator. That's our X factor. Um, and it, it works and it makes money because it makes the people want to make money. <laughs> simple as that. It really is simple. And I don't ever want to suggest that the things that you're doing or what would be suggested as best practices are necessarily easy. I think there's a difference between simple and easy, right? Absolutely. This is not rocket science, what you're talking about here, but um, it is a, a fairly simple set of, of values that you can just tell drives every action that you're taking. But I do recognize, and I know our audience does too, the, that it's not easy. There's a lot of persuasion that has to happen internally to get the right funding, to get the right time, to get the, the right space in the organization to be able to do things like what you're talking about the right way. And I think a, a lot of the listeners of the show probably feel a little bit frustrated that they don't have those things that I just said inside their culture, inside their organization to go flex their muscles and perhaps bring a little creativity. So you know, part of the goal of this podcast is to let them hear from people like you who are figuring this out and share some of these best practices and perhaps give them the confidence that they need, the courage they need internally to go challenge status quo and, and to perhaps try some things that are a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, be a disruptor. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. Well, and, and as I think about, you talked about a lot of things, just, I know it's easy for us to just take a video with your phone and stuff like that, but you, there are some technical skills involved in all the things that you talked about. And it sounds like maybe you're just an early adopter and, and, just able to pick this stuff up very quickly. I mean, did you have to prepare yourself in any way to <laughs> think like a change manager and think like a, a persuader to, to really encourage your organization or is this just a, a natural talent that you have? And do you have a side business being on, on TikTok or something? <laughs> um, I do not have a side business on TikTok, okay. um, but I should, I could be an influencer. You should. Um, but no, I, I, I am naturally boisterous. I am naturally like my personality is naturally boisterous. Um, but I have had to hide that in business up until I got to uh, TCC where they were like, bring that, bring more of that. Um, it's, but I am horrible with tech. <laughs> so, Interesting. Fun fact, I have to live in YouTube university. Um, but I can tell you right now, don't ever be afraid. You can't break it. I'm not going into the programming of anything. You know, I'm not going to the code of anything. I'm just a user. I'm doing the user interface. I can't break it. 
most of the time people are afraid of tech. Click without fear, folks. Click without fear. Um, but YouTube, uh, making sure that I, when we have a new system come in, that I, I take all of my trainings, I do them more than once, but it's my own personal development that keeps me shaping and growing um, new initiatives and new innovative programs. Uh, I have never stopped learning. I continue to get certifications. Um, I go, I work with um, Udemy, uh, Management Strategies Institute. I am constantly, I mean, I'm in a change management certification right now, even though I've got a couple already. That's another thing. A lot of people are like, I've already been certified. Okay, new ideas happen every single year. So I may already be like, I, I've got my lean Six Sigma green belt, right? So I'm like, hey, process improvement. I've got that. But no, I don't. Now I need agile project management. You know, there's so many other avenues to look at. Um, when you read a professional development book, you should not ever from top to bottom, make that your Bible and say, this is how I, this is how I lead now. This is how I do business now. Absolutely not. You're going to pull one or two things, or that's really poignant to create your own business philosophy. So one thing that I've done in every, all of my ongoing education and my continuing certifications and my soft skill development is that I've created my own development book. Um, so every time I'm grabbing or reading a book or, or taking a cert, I'll take any ideas that I do want to take away. And I write them down in my own book. Um, so it's all the ideas smashed into one from the, the Carnegie's and the Ziggler's to the new cutting edge, whatever someone's talking about on YouTube, like this Frontline Innovators podcast. You can glean stuff from everywhere. Um, but I would just say those professionals that are not growing, not learning, if you're not actively pursuing some kind of skill development, um, you're falling behind. Because other people are, and you've got to continually be hungry for that. How? Stop asking, what can you do to make my job easier? Start asking, what can I do to be better? And yeah. it, it, it's out there, guys. Most of it's free. <laughs> that is the thing. I mean, you know, the, the impact of things like YouTube and, you know, joking aside, things like TikTok, between the technology that we all have in our pocket, you know, with a 4K camera, able to do video with, you know, no special lighting required and, and everything else, right? It's, it's really amazing what can be produced. I think where some things can get a little bit tripped up is uh, number one, just the, the confidence to do it and to get outside of your comfort zone, exactly as you described before. And then also thinking about the distribution, how do we get the message out to the right people? And it, it sounds like you've mentioned some things that are a little bit, um, not typical for a frontline workforce. So you, you talked a little bit about using Teams and I'm curious about, is that the primary communication technology that you use Teams combined with SharePoint? I know you talked about, you know, some of the adoption challenges earlier on, but is, is that how you're getting communication? Is that how you're dropping all that video content out to folks? Is that primarily through Teams? Oh, we, um, Teams and SharePoint. So we use the Microsoft suite. We leverage every aspect of that from Power Automate to Microsoft Forms for polls and knowledge checks. Um, we also have you know, the SharePoint site, Microsoft Stream for our video management. Um, but the frontline doesn't see all of those aspects. They see the SharePoint site that we've titled Prism and it has all of the stream embedded and things like that. Again, that sounds super complex and difficult. I'm telling you guys, YouTube SharePoint, okay? 
it can be done. I know if you think you look at this tech or you look at the SharePoint stack site or you look at how it, we've embedded videos, you guys, I'm telling you, if, uh, if anyone can do it, so can you. I'm not smarter than anyone else. I've just read things and watched other people that were smarter than me do it. That's how humans learn. I watch someone else do it and I mimic. Um, so there are click-throughs out there for whatever you wanna do. Um, but you build this layered SharePoint site. What we have is a news feed for the main page. That news feed is all the what's important now. Um, what do you need to know right now today? It's your newsletter, newspaper, and then every department has their own page. In that page, you can have multimedia content. You can have audio only. We have our own internal podcast, Know Your Support, as uh, one of my team members interviews all the store support individuals so they can learn who the front, like the front line can learn who they are and who their support is and how to use them best. Um, we have video materials through Microsoft Stream. All of that is, is available through the Microsoft Suite. And all of the Microsoft Suite has tons of help files internally. Um, and there's also tons of stuff on YouTube. We use Power BI, uh, Microsoft Power BI for our reporting. So whatever ecosystem you choose, we do suggest that you choose one that's all in one. So like Microsoft is ours. That's what we landed on. We tried a bunch of different ones. We had like a, a, a one company that did our news feed one time. Then there was one company, this was our chat. So like our chats, you know, group me. And then our, our, this, our news feed is, is rebiz and this, 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 you know, but we finally decided streamline simplification, keep it as simple as possible. Microsoft does it all. Let's, let's use Microsoft. Um, so we use Teams for all of our meetings. And I mean, all of our meetings. We do an all-in call every Wednesday for the entire company. And um, we put it on Teams. It's a live event. They can't jump off on, you know, they can't get on their cameras or they can't unmute. And you're not going to have any of that because Teams now has live events and controls like that, webinars, options. But once a week, every Tuesday at 3 p.m., the entire company gets on a call. We hear from the president of the company. We hear from our executive vice president of sales for the East and the West South. Um, and then the whole company has just joined a meeting every Wednesday on Teams. And it's on your phone, it's on your computer. Like that's a fantastic way um, to communicate. Uh, we also have our support team, like our back office, we call them Spock, single point of contact. You gotta reach out to Spock if you need anything. Those, that is embedded in Teams. So like if they, if I'm in a store and I don't, something's going wrong, my internet went out. Well, no, hopefully not. Hopefully that internet didn't go out, but say something went wrong and this, the SKU isn't ringing out, right? Um, I can go into Teams and say, hey, the SKU isn't ringing out. And then it's fixed from the back office in real time um, with, by leveraging Teams and that kind of chat software. It's amazing. I think that a lot of companies have tried to save money, limit expenses by not extending access to some of the systems that you just talked about to the men and women on the front lines in their organization. And it seems so simple. And, and I know teams may not have the same perception by everybody, but just extending that to the men and women on the front lines opens up a whole new way to communicate and get communication from them. And I think that's sometimes it's one of those simple, not easy necessarily. I know it's costly and things like that, but it's a, actually a pretty simple solution. 
and everybody knows how to use messaging products today. We're all using text messaging and messenger and Facebook and, and all of that kind of stuff. So it's a very natural way for us to communicate these days. But for some reason, in a lot of teams with frontline workforces, they, they kind of shut down that, that line of communication. And then I think they wonder why they're, they're struggling to get information to and from the people that are most important in their business. I think you're dead on. I mean, we did it too. We had all our disjointed systems because this communication platform saved us $20,000 and this right. communication platform saved us only a couple hundred, you know, but you, you go with who's the cheapest webinar, who's the cheapest, you know, that, 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 when you do it that way, you may be saving money now, but you're losing money later when that information isn't there, when that comprehension isn't there, when that, that reference and resource document isn't there um, and you miss that sale or you lose that transaction. So it is worth it pay up front, whatever system you decide on, it needs to be a holistic system. Since we use Microsoft for everything, our frontline can make their own teams. So like we have stores making their own store teams where they're like plugging in the Power BI into their teams so they can see their reporting and their KPIs. They're, they're embedding um, the Prism and SharePoint information feeds directly into their teams. There's all those add-ons, they all work together. Um, so that way it's streamlined and it gives those frontline people, I know the licensing is expensive guys. I trust me, I know it, yeah. but we've broken records three years in a row. And it's about information. Knowledge is power, power is confidence, confidence is sales. Brilliant. I have to wrap it up there. I can't think of a better way to wrap up this conversation. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to go fast and Molly, you've great, given us such uh, great insights. I, I think that was a, a clinic on, on at least two main things that the first part that I really loved about the discussion was you sharing the learning from a deployment that didn't go so well and how you recalibrated and, you know, did another uh, project and, and had, you know, much greater success. So just that learning process, I think was worth hearing about that. It's okay to admit that something didn't go well in the past, but how are we going to use that to figure out a better way forward? So I love that. And then just kind of talking through the, the change management aspects of, of what you did in the second go around and, and introducing some fun to it. Uh, really, a really great discussion today. So thank you very much for sharing. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, I do need to wrap it up there. And uh, for our audience, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. I know that Molly brought a, uh, a ton of energy and enthusiasm to, uh, to this conversation today. So um, if you have enjoyed it, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. And this podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skyllful.com. And we're always looking for new guests on the show. So Molly, if you, or if the audience, you know somebody else that should be on the show, please make an introduction on LinkedIn. I'd love to meet them and get them on the show. Molly, thanks again for your time today. Thank you so much. Have a great one. 